Thank you for joining us for another Agora conversation, and we trust you took away something useful. Thank you, Al. That's right. If you are already a member with us, we look forward to seeing you in an office or an event really soon. If you aren't a member with us, we'd love to welcome you to one of our centres across Melbourne, South Melbourne, Footscray and Torquay very soon. Please be in touch and call us on 1-800-WORK-NOW or on the web on, at www.workspace365.com.au. We look forward to continuing to connect with you and you with our community here at Workspace 365. We'll see you again shortly. Leslie, thanks so much for joining for our Business Agora conversation. Yeah, Al, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, we've been back and forth to TDSAP and we actually, as we just mentioned before, clicking record, uh, first met 2011 or 2012, so almost 10 years ago. Um, yeah. In a very different was... phase of our lives. Very much so. The, the sort of early startup phase, exploring like first co-working spaces and, and doing that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's great to now um, be sharing space, at least virtual space again. Um, and for me, I look forward to hearing a little bit more about, I suppose, your journey since then and even prior to then that has led you to exponentially and, and where you are now. But to begin, um, yeah, would you like to paint us a, a, a verbal picture of where you're joining us from as we are here in lockdown, of course, again in Melbourne? Well, I'm locked back in my off home office um, in South Bank in Melbourne. Um, for the last two weeks, I think lockdown number four now, um, mm. a little bit over it actually, um, like all of us, but you know, it's, it's the right thing to do and looking forward to getting back to the office. Mm-hmm. Great. And uh, I mean, we've already um, shared a little bit of this, which is why sometimes I wish I pressed record earlier, but um, which, <laughs> uh, which center are you uh, working from? And um, yeah, I, was, I enjoyed your share about why you chose it, some of the pieces around co-working and the stage of your business. And that might be just useful for some, for some people to reflect on as well. Sure. Um, so I thought long and hard, long and hard, and um, I've made lists and used all sorts of things to try and make the decision to, to get an office again. Um, I haven't been in the office for about five years because you know I'm typically working from client sites and, and doing those kinds of things. And I'm, I've always prided myself on, you know, give me a network point and a laptop and I'm good to go. Mm-hmm. And post-COVID, I realized very quickly, um, it's really important to separate work from home um, for a few, few reasons. Like, first of all, um, it felt like the right thing to do to just get back into the city and vote with your dollars, because I don't like to, I've been in Melbourne 12 years, I don't like to see the city suffering, um, which mm-hmm. sounds you know, altruistic, but it's really part of the reason. Um, secondly, there's a lot of Um, focus to be had going to a different place doing your work switching off transitioning walking back from the city whatever um, and transition back to home life Um, and I really I found that it's it's been super productive Um, I'm actually on 330 Collins Street um, which has been on level 15 so it's been great office sort of north facing bit of light and that kind of thing Um, and then why not the co-working space? Because, you know, as you said, we met at York Butter Factory back in 2011, which is one of the first co-working spaces in Melbourne. And that's great for that stage of your business. But my business has been running three and a half years now. And it's like, sometimes you, you know, when you're a startup, you're searching for a business model. Once you find it, you've got to 
execute as fast as you can. And my personal working style is such that I want to get down and do things rather than be interrupted all the time and, you know, doing that kind of stuff. Community is important, but the, the purpose of the office is work. It's got a job to do. Yeah, 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 which I think is a just a great uh, reflection or um, aspect of choosing an office space for people to consider when coming yeah. in is what stage yeah. in the development of their business um, yes. are they at and, and what are their needs. Um, yeah. So, yeah, just thought to, to ask that again for those tuning in. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit more about Exponentially. I, I had a, a look through your website and love the idea of pre-dotyping and, and I hadn't actually personally heard much about it although I also work quite a lot in the innovation space and design thinking yeah. space. So yeah. Um, yeah, I'm curious about, and maybe working with our kind of timeline, what in the last 10 years, since when we last mm. met, what has led you to pre-dotyping and now really kind of being a, a four player in that space in Australia? Um, thank you for the question. So the last 10 years is actually a good framing because when we met, I had started a business with a partner um, called uh, the business called Get Viable, and was to help sort of figure out what's the shortest path to product market fit. Um, and yeah, you know, skip through the, the next few things is um, I ended up uh, running innovation at ThoughtWorks Consulting, an agile company. Um, I then ran innovation at Sportsbet, um, which was a really interesting experience, very professional operation. Um, and then through all that, I realized the common thread of all these things was the problem I'm trying to solve, and I'm obsessed with this and it's irrational, I don't know why, is like, how do you get people to stop wasting time doing dumb things? Like mm -hmm. most ideas are going to fail. There's no structured way to think about it. And we all go like fail or die and failure is good. Failure is not good. Failure is silly. But you have to fail to figure out what good looks like. I discovered um, Alberto Savoya um, from an ex-Googler who created this method at Google called pre-prototyping, pre-prototyping. Um, and like you, I was like, hmm, why do we need a new word? Anyway, I went to go and see him in San Francisco. Um, he, I got him to train us. And really, all it is, is it's a method to figure out very quickly in a structured way, um, how do you get data versus opinion from customers? So it's not market research. It's how do you run short, sharp experiments without building technology to measure what customers do versus what they say. But it's done in a structured way. Fast forward to exponentially. Um, I started the business um, like all startups do, is you like, yeah, you pick, you pick a mission, you sell one, you refine it, you sell two, refine it, and three and a half years later, we're doing um, really well. Um, so what we do is we really work with corporate innovators and some accelerator programs to help them set up a structured process through training and consulting, et cetera, um, to run experimentation at scale. So what you're trying to do is, is go like, here's a method, it's structured, execute this. You know, most of what you do is going to fail, but eventually we're going to validate or invalidate ideas. Mm -hmm. um, for a quick snapshot, uh, we now have run well over a thousand of these prototypes with around 30 to 40 um, enterprise companies, you know, sort of, News Corp, Telstra, AGL. I'm trying not to sell too much, sorry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, Procter & Gamble, et cetera. Um, and if you ask Alberto, like we work really closely together, what he will say is I've industrialized prototyping. So we've turned it into a robust structured method with tools and software and process, et cetera, to do this scale. Mm. Brilliant. And uh, I mean, 
I'm familiar with, I suppose, agile methodology and, um, mm. but I imagine also many listening in may not be. Um, yes. So maybe just taking even a step back and talking about, you mentioned the word agile and um, okay. just maybe taking a step back to maybe just explain for those who have no idea, what, what does that even mean? And why is okay. that important in our world today? Okay, great. Um, thanks for pulling me up on the buzzwords. So let's zoom out quite uh, quite a lot so we've, we're doing a piece of work with australian national university now for the last year and a half and the problem that we're trying to solve was how do we run in, how do we do innovation internally and if you zoom out properly there's four things that you do you you define the problem and there's methods there like human-centered design design thinking whatever to pick up a set of problems then we go what are the possible solutions if we don't know what the solution is the right solution to solve the problem then we need to run experiments, which is when we use prototyping. So we're just testing what do we believe to be true. Um, and then you go, okay, out of all the possible ideas, um, customers have shown us through this method that these are the ones that they like. And then we go into, okay, let's run some test. Let's build out a proof of concept or pilot or some way of testing this and seeing um, if we can execute on it. So that's sort of a high level view of what we're trying to do. The methods inside there vary. Um, but that's, yeah. that's essentially what we're trying to do. Yeah. 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 Brilliant. And so prototyping is, um, I suppose, more so once you've defined a problem set, it's about then um, testing and, well, prototyping, but prototyping. Um, yeah. I suppose, how do you define prototyping and prototyping? Excellent question. There's, we've just written a blog post on it because I get asked that five times a day, mm -hmm. as does Alberto. But so it's very simple. So a prototype is trying to figure out, can we make something? Can we build it in its simplest mm -hmm. form? Um, and the answer is yes. It's 2021 currently. Um, we can build everything. The prototype is trying to answer the question, should we bother in the first place? Mm -hmm. And what you do then is we try and, or we run experiments um, without building anything. So imagine a fake web page with a send you email address, like in its simplest possible form, but in a structured way. Mm -hmm. That's what we're trying to do. When do you use it? So you don't use it all the time. So if you have a problem and a solution, in other words, we want to build a bridge and you know what the problem is, let's build, a, let's bridge the gap. And you know how to do it, then you're just going to build a bridge. You don't use experimentation. If however you go, um, we're in Melbourne, so let's talk about coffee. Um, the world needs another coffee app, which they don't, okay, mm. in my opinion. Um, and there's 10 ways to execute that. We don't know which one customers want. Then we run a bunch of quick shop experiments. And, you know, we're talking, um, we run these in a week or two for a few hundred dollars. This is an expensive thing to do. Um, mm. Then we're running experiments. So that's the difference. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like, yeah, prototyping is more testing the actual solution. Yes. Um, Prototyping is why should we do this in the first place? Fantastic. Exactly. I'm yeah. going to quote you. I'm getting it. Great. <laughs> um, cool. And so what kind of, I'm curious about, uh, I suppose, the two things. One, maybe more of the, the mindset behind um, prototyping. And I imagine it's similar to, say, agile um, in, a, in a sense. But what are the kind of challenges say you go into an organization that may be quite traditional or archaic in some of their operating mm. models they see mm. the new buzzword prototyping they point at that they say they want it you mm. come in and you realize that they're thinking in very different ways um yeah. so there's obviously mm. the thinking tools that need to be installed before they can use the tool itself um yes. what are kind of the 
the thinking tools, you might say, or the yeah. mindsets that you yeah. find yourself needing to work with? Spot on. So the first thing we do is um, we have to make them comfortable with failure. And I know all startups say, let's fail, let's fail. It isn't about that. What we have to do, like I, I talk about prototyping is a stealth method to get to do change management. Like everything in any organization, you have to go through a change management process. And we want to provide very quick evidence that, that you're not going to die if you run experiments, that mm. uh, you know it's okay to take some risk. It's okay to um, fail a little bit. It's okay to learn from your customers and learn with your customers. So we'll go in, we'll do, um, uh, we'll run a, like a, a workshop just to teach them that there is a method, it is structured, it comes from a reliable source, it's been done at scale. So we make them feel safe. Mm -hmm. And I, I always say, people say to me, like, who do you need in the workshop? Like, it's, it's a small percentage is the people who already believe, like the innovators, entrepreneurs, you don't have to teach them about this stuff. Mm. Who we need in there is the blockers who become the enablers. So blockers with respect to people who do this for a living, I don't mean this in a negative way, mm -hmm. is anyone who does risk or governance or marketing or legal. Um, by the end of the day, these are your, your biggest supporters because when you look at it from their perspective, which we never do, it's like all they're seeing is risk. We're going like, let's just change things and play with like their headsets mm. and scooters and we'll all be cool. Like, it's not about that. My job is to go, there's a very structured, trustworthy way that's super low risk that we can actually do the stuff, that we can believe the results. So, so we have to um, demonstrate. And then, you know, you run the workshop and everyone goes, yeah, that's awesome. Next day, like nobody believes you. So we go straight into a sprint where we go, take real ideas. Let's run one small, tiny experiment and see if we can even do that. And everyone just blocks it because they go, hang on a sec. We have to protect our company, which is right. That's their job. Okay. But we have to, but if we don't run any experiments, we're never going to learn anything. So how do we run a short, sharp experiment and prove with evidence that we haven't actually broken anything that's mm -hmm. serious? So we have to go through that process. And and where we where we succeed with companies like uh, PEXA, AGL, et cetera, um, it's because the executives like everything, um, believe the outcomes, they're very comfortable to say, like I joke, I say like, we need a failure of the, of the year award. So mm -hmm. I want CEO to stand up and go like, congratulations to Leslie, he failed massively this year and he saved us a million dollars by learning new things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. Yeah, I loved on your website, it had, if you experiment exponentially, you will fail exponentially and learn exponentially, helping you innovate exponentially and your business will grow exponentially. Just that yep. lovely, um, <laughs> looks so simple when you lay it out in five sentences. Um, it's not simple. <laughs> not at all. Um, and so during these times, COVID times in the context we're working within, I'm curious what you're noticing in clients that are coming to you. I see um, a couple of things. Obviously, everybody is kind of being asked to really celebrate their entrepreneurial spirit in this time and be mm. really savvy and creative with resources and mm. also a lot of fear in the market, mm. which can feel yes. creativity and can also really stifle creativity. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm curious how, I suppose, how you're noticing the relationship between COVID and innovation. Good question. Um, so I think, yeah, everyone's going like, we should move to digital, obviously. Yeah, and that, that's a non, it doesn't mean anything, okay? But in reality, what I'm seeing with customers is much more willing to take risk um, because you have to. You know, we've gone from, um, yeah, 
booted and suited to sitting in t-shirts and tracksuits doing our business. And I've noticed our customers become more and more and more and more casual, um, mm. which is just an external thing. But I think people are, are connecting more as people and we're communicating and we're listening to each other, you know, and every now and there's a cat coming past the screen with its tail in your face and stuff like that. But yeah, you know, that's just a, that's just the, the external externalization of, I think what's happening is there's like, I'm noticing an openness to explore new things because we have to explore new mm. things. I'm also noticing um, an underlying understanding that everything we need to be true, not everything, but most things we need to be true aren't true anymore. So in my business, we've got um, market research. You know, we should do this because we've done research for the last 10 years and this is how customers behave in this their persona. Um, maybe not true anymore. You know, They don't mm -hmm. behave like that anymore. Everything has changed. So you really have to go back to the drawing board and the market research obviously is a, is a valid technique at the right phase, but you have to go and go, okay, what is still true? You know, mm. maybe that's not true anymore. We need to go and test that. We need to validate that. We need to experiment. So there's a much, I'm seeing an openness to let's go and figure things out. Let's try new things. You know, if, if it doesn't work anymore, stop doing it, change it, challenge it. And I'm seeing that shift happening quite dramatically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I see a great uh, kind of parallel between resilience and innovation. Um, yes. And the yeah, adaptability of an organization or a team or an individual really um, uh, and, being synonymous with its resilience in a way. Absolutely. And, and broader than that, I mean, if you just look around you, um, you know, we've read this everywhere, so it's not new. It's like we've had 10 years acceleration of innovation in sort of healthcare and hospitality and all over the place. And constraint breeds innovation. Like the number one driver of innovation mm. is constraint. So unlimited funds, you get no innovation. Very little funds, you get great innovation. And if you look just where I live in South Bank, you know, we've got, is it innovation? Potentially. Um, suddenly cafes, the government are out on the banks of the, of the Yarra River, as it should be. Like, why are we not allowed to eat next to the water? You know? mm. um, there's all sorts of things happening. We're repurposing parking lots as... Um, places to eat and socialize. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on um, at scale that I don't mm -hmm. think we're even going to see. I don't even think we know what's, we, we understand the, the scope and scale of what's changed until we look mm -hmm. back five years from now. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely been its own kind of accelerator. Um, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So just switching, I suppose, register a little bit um, outside of innovation and, and work. Um, yeah, what are some of the things that hobbies or passions or things that you tend to um, personally? Um, I'm boring because I like tech. So I spend a lot mm -hmm. of time with tech. Um, two things I really like doing, which uh, I'm, I really enjoy go-karting. So we used to pre-COVID go go-karting like every two weeks, me and my friend. Mm -hmm. um, and like aggressively race and very competitive. Right. Um, with COVID, you suddenly realize you're putting your face into someone else's helmet right next to where their COVID breath could be. So you don't do that mm -hmm. anymore. Um, I'm, I enjoy watching Formula One. I enjoy radio control cars. I've got back into that now during COVID, mm -hmm. which is a perfect hobby because yeah. you can break it every week and, and repair it and, and do those kinds of things. And the usual, I'm an avid reader. So I read, I get through a book every week or every two weeks. I, I'm wow. a voracious reader. Yeah. Um, yeah, so those are sorts of the things I do outside. Yeah, great, great. I always just like to get a sense of the human behind the, uh, yeah. <laughs> the ideas of the business. Um, yeah, yeah. So I suppose coming to a close, what are some of the things and maybe um, 
yeah, positioned more for small business owners or are those starting out in the context of this time and maybe more specifically in Melbourne? What are some of the things other than obviously doing your online course and um, checking out uh, your website, what might you offer to them as um, tips or little nuggets of advice for innovating and adapting? Oh, I think, you know, this is my, I've built five startup companies and sort of excluding this business um, in between real jobs. And I think this is hard. It's a really hard path, you know, to follow. Um, and it needs a certain mindset. And I think the one thing I do is optimize constantly for energy. Um, and what I mean by that is like a few years ago, I came up with an acronym for myself called MEXS, M-E-X-S, which is meditate, eat, exercise, sleep. And mm-hmm. I wake up religiously and I know everyone talks about meditation, but just you know, 10 minutes and I'm not a guru. I just sit there for 10 minutes and just practice something that like just clears your mind and helps you be aware of where and who you are. Mm-hmm. And it's been, it's super important because you can get carried away and obsessed with your business. Um, and it's good to just rebalance yourself and check in with yourself every day. Exercise mm-hmm. is just 20, 30 minutes every single day. Just keep your body in, in good shape. Just, you know, because we just, we're sitting, staring at screens 10 hours a day. It's, it's ridiculous. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, sleep well, sleep is the number one thing you need to do. Like, yeah, just, there's a book called why we sleep read it mm-hmm. you understand i mean you, you will probably be across this yeah. um so that's important to me i think the other thing to do is don't work all the time uh we can get yeah obsessed with things so don't work all the time another thing i like to do a lot is i wrote an article a few years ago on digital detoxing um which is just really try and like step away from anything that's electronic for a day a week if possible and three mm-hmm. or four days every four to six weeks it, like it feels when you're throws of it, it feels like you have momentum, but when you step away from the momentum, sometimes you get perspective, mm-hmm. which I've found really, really useful. Um, another thing is I'm busy doing and shut me up at any point, <laughs> but I'm busy doing um, a, a, a program called strategic coach out of the U S um, and what's really stuck with me is two things there, which is like, Make sure that you're optimizing for your unique ability. So whatever you're uniquely good at, mm. do more of that and less of the other fun admin-y, bloggy, building website nonsense that you can end up doing. It's important, but you, you personally don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. And then for every single task that comes in as a small business owner, ask who, not how. Like who else can do this, not how can I do this? Because you waste mm-hmm. time doing like endless things. Um, and most importantly, um, like for me, it's um, what I'm optimizing for with business is I want to be a hundred percent present and energized with my customers every single time I talk to them. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's super important. I don't want to be distracted. Like they're paying me well to help them do something to get to some outcome. And I really work hard to be completely present there. So no interruptions of any sort. That's sort of the things that, try and keep me on track Mm -hmm. brilliant yeah i like the um uh who not how um i mean i used to eliminate automate delegate which was just from tim ferris's uh 40-hour work week but it's another way of thinking about it and yeah the strength-based approach um yes so eliminating things that actually don't need to be done 
um, and then recognizing which ones are yours to do and then either automating or delegating the others. Um, yeah, yeah, spot on. Yeah. It's also it's good framing, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Well, um, I think we will start to, to wrap it there. Um, what is the best way for people to be in touch with you? Um, obviously, we'll put a link to your website, possibly that blog post um, in the show notes, but how else would you recommend or invite people to get in touch? Um, well, I'm on Twitter at Leslie C. Berry. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, search for Leslie Berry. Um, you can email me at leslie at exponentially.com, which you can put in the, the notes. Mm -hmm. And there's a hundred ways to contact me on exponentially.com. Um, mm -hmm. There's also a blog, which is just personal ramblings of nonsense at leslieberry.com. Mm -hmm. And that's my promotional two minutes. <laughs> Great. Well, I'll put all of those links in the notes. Um, and yeah, thank you very much again for taking the time. We could have just kept going and going. Um, and maybe we will again at some point. Awesome. Thank you, Al. And I'll see you at uh, Workspace 365 somewhere soon. Yeah, hopefully see you back in. I don't know. It sounds like maybe not next week, but hopefully very shortly. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Leslie. Thank you. Really good to see you again. Good day. Welcome to the Business Agora, a series of conversations aimed to be supportive in your business and your life held with our community here at Workspace 365. My name is Michael Benson. I'm the CEO at Workspace 365, and I'm here with our community engagement lead, Al Jeffrey, who will be your host for a number of these conversations. Thanks, Michael, and thank you for joining us for the Agora. Agora means the gathering or the exchange. And in these conversations, we hope to connect you with some of the humans of the Workspace 365 community, bring light to their stories, their insights into business, leadership, and well-being, and offer useful resources and tips for navigating business post-COVID-19. So let's dive in.